Church family. Uh, we are in a new week, and we are going to go through the book of Exodus, particularly chapter 4 this week. Uh, when we think about uh, life, and particularly ministry, we have to understand that all of us are called to ministry. Some of us are called to full-time ministry, others are, of us are called to do ministry overseas, but every Christian, um, the moment we are saved, uh, we are called both not only to be saved, but also be used by God for His good pleasure. Um, some of us are going to be used and ministered to different people in different life stages, uh, but all of us are called to do ministry. This is just a, a reality of living as a believer. We get this unique opportunity to be called sons and daughters of God, but we also get to represent Him. We get to serve the body, um, the church is made up of Christians that are always uh, called, that are called by God with a particular purpose and to build up the body. Um, all of us have different gifts, all of us have different um, abilities and talents, but all of us have one common goal, and that is we are supposed to be used by God as instruments for His good pleasure and for His glory. This means that there's no such thing as a Christian that just sits on the sideline. Every Christian needs to use the talents and the gifts and resources that the Lord has given them uh, to either build up the body or to win the loss. You really have two main tasks when you're here on earth, to, to build up the body, to, make, to encourage people to keep, um, to keep the good fight or run the race or whatever uh, sports illustration you want to use, or uh, you try to win people to Christ. Uh, and this really this uh, that's the goal and mission of our of our existence here as believers. Uh, we have everything else that kind of help uh, that we do in life, but ultimately, it's we want we want God to be made known. Or uh, if you're a non-believer, uh, may uh, God to be known be made known to non-believers, or for believers to be, for God to be be known more or clearer in your life. And that's what we're supposed to be as Christians. That's our life. Now, when I say that because when we get into this particular text, this is the part where God calls Moses and gives him particular helps and aids and ways uh, for him to do what uh, he calls him to do. Uh, so far in Exodus, this is, uh, this is a very familiar story. The first chapter, uh, the first two chapters really, we see the oppression of the Israelites. Um, they were people that they were just growing in their population, and Pharaoh at the time felt threatened, so he, he had this decree to go and slaughter all the Israelite babies, and one of the babies that survived, I'm sure there's others as well, was Moses. Moses was put in this little basket, and he uh, was going down the Nile River, but he was providentially saved and spared by Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, it says that she had compassion and pity on him, so she ended up asking uh, someone to get um, get someone to nurse the kid and just so happens to also be Moses' biological mother. And as he got older, he uh, was put into the, the Pharaoh's court and he's basically a like a prince. He's, he's part of the royal family. Uh, chapter 2, uh, he begins, he sees um, uh, these, two, uh, these two individuals uh, bickering, it was an Egyptian and, and a Jewish person, and uh, when he sees uh, the Jewish person being uh, mistreated, he looks to the left, looks to the right, looks to the front, you remember he's trying to find cover, make sure that no one is watching, and he kills that Egyptian, um, and that causes him, which leads to certain events where he causes him to leave. Uh, he, le he leaves Egypt for 40 years, when we get to chapter 3, uh, he's around 80 years old at this point, and God calls him uh, through the burning bush. 
Now, chapter four kind of continues on that story, it continues on that conversation uh, where God calls him. And we begin here in chapter four um, to really talk about how God is the one who assigns our task in ministry. But God uh, calls us to do ministry in a way that it's, it's ultimately going to fulfill his plan, it's ultimately is going to be aligned with his character, and ultimately is going to give him glory. Uh, we get to partake in that. We get to uh, be co-laborers with the Lord in that sense. And that gives God glory because we can see how God um, provides for us, he, how he empowers us, and how he works through us. And we give God glory for it. It has nothing to do with our own abilities. It has everything to do with God. Uh, so that's what I want to look at today, uh, God's, um, I guess you say, his task for us in terms of ministry. First, God's direction in ministry, God's direction in ministry. We see this in the first nine verses. Then Moses said, what if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, the Lord has not appeared to you. Uh, so this is actually a good question. So, you know, he's asking before, like, what about what happens if this is, uh, you know, he's going. Moses is going to make a whole bunch of excuses, but God's going to. It's just going to keep providing ways for uh, for him to to know that, like, hey, don't worry, I will provide for you. Um, he's not going to give uh, Moses a a command or directive without giving him means by which to fulf- to fulfill it. So the Lord responds, and said in verse two, "What is that in your hand?" He said, "A staff." Then he said, "Throw it on the ground." So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. But the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand and grasp it by its tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand. And they may believe that the Lord, the God of their father and the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. This is a very interesting scene. He's like, do you have a staff in your hand? You're holding a stick? Yeah. Throw it on the ground and it becomes a snake. And I imagine Moses freaking out and running because like I was just holding that thing. Now it's become a serpent. And eventually God tells him to grasp it and grabs a staff and it becomes a, or grabs a snake and it becomes a staff again. And then, you know, again, this is just this is all Moses seeing all the supernatural things going on. And and just a side note, this is one of those rare events, uh, or actually if you look at the totality of scripture, there aren't that many individuals to actually go through supernatural events. Moses is one of them, Joshua's and the other, Elijah, Elisha's and others, the apostles, and then Jesus. There aren't that many time periods in the Bible where there actually are supernatural events. So you can imagine Moses freaking out. Like he, he's never seen anything like this. Uh, if, you saw, if you first saw a burning bush, now he sees a, a staff becoming a snake and then turning back. And this is, all, this is all designed so that Moses will actually have faith and for him to believe first so that uh, Israel will believe. And that's just the reality of all spiritual leaders, right? Spiritual leaders need to believe what they preach or what they say. Otherwise, the followers or the listeners will not believe as well. So it's a call for all of us Sunday school teachers or, or any teaching or teachers in any capacity that when you teach God's word, you have to first and foremost believe it yourself because it's not going to be effective if, and people will know, if you don't believe it, people aren't going to listen. Um, and I think the most passionate uh, preachers and teachers are those who truly believe the word of God, that it is a living and active uh, sword that pierces and cuts through marrow and bone and everything. So this is, this is uh, our first lesson that we understand that like you know god's word is true and anything that he says it will go and if you believe it then you'll be an effective instrument for the lord moving on um verse six the lord furthermore said to him 
Now put out your hand into your bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom, and he took it out. Behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Now what's interesting is God gives him a second sign. He didn't ask for it. He just, he just asked for one sign, and, he, and then God gives him three. This is the second one. This is the hand. He, he puts his hand uh, in his bosom, and it becomes leprous like snow. Then he said, put your hand into your bosom again. So he put his hand into the bosom again, and when he took it out of his bosom, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. And you'll see, as we continue on this book and you listen on, you'll, you'll notice that each of these miracles or supernatural things are actually, is actually a challenge against the Egyptians. But they could actually even, these fake, um, you know, I guess, what do you call it, like witchcraft people, sorcerers, uh, they were able to actually duplicate these things. But they can only duplicate for so long uh, before, uh, you know, before they realize, like, okay, yeah, Yahweh is a true God. Verse 8, if they will not believe or, or heed the witness for the first sign, they may witness the last sign. Um, but, oh, sorry, I just realized. Oh, no, sorry, no, yeah, continue. Verse 9, but if they will not believe even these two signs or heed what you say, then you shall take some water from the Nile, pour it on the dry ground, and the water which you take from the Nile will become blood on the ground. This is a sign that shows that God is actually in control of Nile. I remember the, in the Nile for the Egyptian mindset, that's like the source of life, and then they think there's a God in there, in there somewhere. Um, and the fact that God is able to control the Nile shows them that He really is a God. That the Egyptians cannot conjure up anything that makes Him, that makes uh, you know their God, the fake Egyptian God, obey them. Uh, and this is the way God shows these three signs are supposed to show Him that there are um, that He is a true God. And again. These sorcerers are able to fake these things, um, but uh, eventually they, they, there's a limit to how much they can do. Um, and we'll see that as we continue going on. And this is really a lesson for us that God tells Moses what he needs to do. And uh, an application for us to think about is that when God gives us commands in Scripture, understand that he did not just give us a call to be followers of Jesus Christ or, or put us in the body of Christ without any instruction. He didn't just leave us there. He didn't just say, believe in me, and that's it. Like He gives us instruction on how we need to conduct ourselves after we become a believer, uh, what it means to be part of the church, uh, what are the ordinances of the church, and what even how to get people out of the church in terms of church discipline or how to draw people to the church in terms of evangelism. God gives us specific instructions on what we need to do. And like Moses, we need to believe the word of God. And if we do, if we believe it and we, and we actually do these things, God will use us effectively. But if we ignore God's word, if we choose not to listen to God, um, then we're, we can't expect the Lord to use us. Um, the, God gives us everything that we need to pertain to a life of godliness. And God gives us everything that we need in ministry and evangelism and everything. We just need it like really know his word. Again, I've, I've said this over and over again, that part of my job as a pastor is to equip you to know God's word. And the more you know God's word, the more you can see the principles of God's word and what he expects of us. And then you go and do the ministry that he calls you to do. So that's the first point, that God's direction for ministry. Uh, he gives Moses direction what he needs to do in order for people to believe him. Most, oh, actually believe God, not Moses. And he, God does the same thing. He gives us instruction on what we need to do uh, in ministry as well. Our second point for today is going to be this. is God's provision in ministry. So God gives a direction in terms of like, okay, here's what you need to do. But God also provides the means by which we go about it. Verse 10 to 17. Then Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in time nor past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow to speech and slow to tongue. What was interesting about this, because later on, 
Moses does a lot of talking. He does a whole he, he makes a whole bunch of speeches. So this I don't think he's speaking necessarily about the ability to speak. Yes, he can speak. The problem is, I, I think, when you read this, he, he just, he's doubting his ability with the language. And later on, you'll see that with, um, in verse 14, where he speaks of Aaron, he says that he speaks fluently. I think that's just in terms of he, he doesn't know how to speak the Egyptian language well. He might know Hebrew, but he, he may not be as well-versed. Because remember, it was 40 years later. Um, but anyways, this is what the Lord said. The Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth, or who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind. Is it not I, the Lord? This is a really convicting rebuke because he's basically saying like, look, your limitations are limitations because I give you those limitations. Your abilities, whatever great or small was there, is because I gave that to you. And that's something that is a very humbling reminder for us. Sometimes when we think about ministry, we think of, we have this kind of Past, not pastoral envy, but if you're a pastor, yeah, yeah, you may have this envy or, or just jealousy or envy of other people. Like, how come this teacher or that uh, minister could do these things, but I'm not able to do those things? Or, or, or you compare yourself negatively. If I only have that type of uh, platform or that type of influence or that type of ministry or that type of giftedness, I can do so much more for the Lord. We have to remember that what we have or don't have is, the, is, is, give, is because the Lord is ultimately the reason behind it. He chooses, gives some uh, certain gifts and gives other people certain gifts. And we need to just be appreciative of what the Lord has given us. You may not be the best teacher, but if you're faithfully teaching God's word, that's great. That you should praise the Lord for it because it forces you to be dependent on the Lord and give glory to God when things are going well. If you are really gifted in a certain area, you should praise the Lord for that as well. And understand that the reason why you could do any of the things that you do is not because of your own maturity or your own giftedness. All that you have belongs to the Lord. So this is a really cool thing that God tells Moses. Like He's the one that, that he's basically complaining. Moses is complaining to the Lord about his limitations. God's saying, like, like he's just backhanding him, rebuking, saying, like, I am the reason why you have these limitations. But yet, God is so gracious. Look at verse 12. Now then go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and teach you what to say. But he said, Lord, oh, please, Lord, now send the messenger by whomever you will. Of course, it's ironic because God wants Moses to go. And he's like saying, send, send the one that you want. It's like, okay, I want you to go. It's like, okay. Uh, and then this is why, uh, verse 14. Then the angry Lord burned against Moses and said, Is there not your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he speaks fluent. And moreover, behold, he's coming out to meet you when he sees you. He will be glad to see his heart. He will be glad to see his heart. Now, what's interesting about this whole thing is like Moses had no clue that Aaron is actually looking for him. Again, by God's providence, uh, and this is, shows you that like God, uh, some in a lot of ways, providence is way more amazing than 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 the supernatural because the supernatural God just defies the order of creation. But when He sovereignly places little things and providentially puts events together, it's amazing um, because Aaron was looking for. Moses it doesn't say why it's just so he just said that he's just going out there and he's going to bump into his brother again again this is 40 years later since he was last in Egypt but somehow he decided hey I'm going to go out and he's I'm going to look for Moses and Moses had no idea that Aaron was looking for him verse 15 you are to speak to him and put the words in his mouth and and I even I will be with your mouth and his mouth and I will teach you what to what you are to do moreover he shall speak for you to the people, and he will be a mouth for you, and you will be as God to him. You shall take in your hand this staff, which, with which you shall perform the signs. 
This is all part of showing that God is, is, is providing what he needs for ministry. The staff that Moses at the end, or he talks about at the end of verse 17, this again, Moses was just walking with the staff. He didn't realize that that staff that he's holding is going to be a snake and then be back into a stick, but that the staff is going to be a sign of power. It's going to be a sign of leadership. Moses is just basically trying to back out, and he ultimately, and God's just keep providing for his needs. Um, and this is just a good reminder for us that when God calls us into a specific time to minister to specific people, it's because he wants us there and he will provide for us. Um, I know in the current day, it seems like, oh, there's just so much more persecution coming. And that might be true. And that probably is true. But then we have to remember that God has placed us in this time and he will sustain us. Psalm 54 verse 4, Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the sustainer of my soul. He'll recompense evil to my foes and destroy them in your faithfulness. Isaiah 41, verse 10, tells us, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Two more verses that comes to mind, Romans 8, 31 should be a familiar passage for all of us but says this what then shall we say to those things if god is for us who is against us and last verse hebrews 13 verse 6 it tells us so that we confidently say the lord is my helper i will not be afraid what will man do to me you know when you and i are thinking about our current circumstance and the ministry that we have particularly to evangelism or to try to win the loss god has called us for this time i'm actually surprised about all the sunday messages that we've been hearing because none of us really planned that we can't plan that far in advance we just kind of generally plan what verses we want and then just so happen the current event catches up to the to the to the passages that we want to say Every single Sunday, I'm just convinced and, and marvel at God's providence. Like, that message is exactly what I need for this week. It's going to help me be a better minister. It's going to be help me be a better father, better husband, a better um, you know, evangelist. And every single passage, every single week, the Lord has sovereignly places so that we can be equipped to do the ministry that he's called us to do. So don't be afraid. Everything that God has uh, God is working in us and he's giving us the means to do what he wants us to do so that's the first two lesson this week or for this this day we're going to, uh, today we taught how God gives us direction in ministry he calls us to to either um, serve the people in the church or win the loss and he provides us provision our second point was that God gives us provision in ministry God already told us what we need in terms of how we need to live a godly life and also what we need to say and what we need to communicate to people so that they can come to saving faith as well all we have to do is just to continue to trust him and be faithful and not fear but know that God is with us that's our first two lessons this week uh, this Wednesday we'll move on to seeing how God how it's a weird passage it's going to be the strangest passage so far but is actually going to show us God's exactness in ministry, that God is a very precise God. He wants us to do things a very particular way. I look forward to going through that study on Wednesday, and then we'll end the week by seeing how God blesses us in ministry. That's it for today. Take care. Have a good Monday.